0: Hello, and welcome to the Sound of History Podcast. My name is Nick.
1: My name is Melissa.
0: Her name is Mika, and this is an American History Podcast that we're trying to get out on time this week. Ooh. I think we'll make it if I just remember to edit on it's time.
1: It's music history, specifically. What, oh, did I say American Use History? You said American History. It's Yes, That's it's a, a music history thing. podcast. American music history. Yes kind
0: of the same thing. It intersects. The history of American music is the history of America. Follow us on social media real quick. Mostly Twitter. I, haven't, I didn't even post the episode announcement on Facebook the last time.
1: Did you post the picture of Ajax in a box? I did not.
0: Not yet. But I Why? I
1: don't
0: know, It just didn't fit. Cat
1: in a box.
0: I'll post that when this episode goes live.
1: Cat in mm. a box.
0: But follow Cat us on in Twitter. A box twitter.com slash sound of history underscore to see the cat in the box picture
1: that's really the most important piece that we're putting out
0: okay now Mika is the host now
1: Mika is the host now
0: do you want like a real jingle for this or do you want just make it up every time
1: (laughs) neither is a good option (laughs) Because
0: um, I was going to have like a jingle for Correction Corner, but we don't ever have Correction Corner. Because so you're no always point. right. Exactly. I'm always spot on.
1: Exactly. And I never say anything wrong. Well. Like, <laughs> my name is 100% Melissa. Anyway, that's well what side, right?
0: I guess then we don't have a Mika's Mel- house No. I no. guess <laughs> there's no Mika here. So I guess we Ca- can't do it, this caught segment. Okay,
1: Correction corner. My name is Mika. Mika is the host now, and I would like to just tell you all to marinate chicken in <laughs> sriracha and honey—three parts sriracha, one part honey. You marinate the chicken, okay? Then you grill it, and then you put—you mix a third cup of sour cream with just a crap ton of cilantro because cilantro is the best. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong. And then you also do avocado, tomato, shredded lettuce, chives, and you mix a tablespoon of sriracha and a half tablespoon of honey, and you mix all that together. Did you and say the sour cream thing? I did say okay. the sour cream. I thing. wasn't paying attention. Because <laughs> gonna be honest. a crap ton of cilantro. Right, like that's a very important key, a crap ton of cilantro. And then you put all the stuff together and then you drizzle it with the the leftover, like not leftover, the the separate sriracha and honey drizzle. Oh, so good. You're welcome.
0: You make tacos out of it. Did you say that part? I don't think I did. Yeah, they were tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Hard shell tacos.
1: Very yummy. Or you it could make a good. bowl. Or you could make a soft-shell taco. I don't know. It was delicious. Yes. I'm very excited about it.
0: Cool. All right. Is Can Mika I no unplug
1: longer? something? Okay. Kanye West for president. That's a no-go. <laughs> and Mika is no longer the host now.
0: <laughs> I will plug Hamilton. Watch that on Disney+. Plus.
1: See, the world doesn't need more people telling them to watch Hamilton. But then you have people like Joe and Nicole who haven't watched Hamilton. Yeah. You guys, by the time that you're listening to this, you better have watched it. It's very good. It's so good and it's so important.
0: We went to see it live when it came through Nashville earlier this year, which seems crazy that it was this year. It was? Yeah. Because we were doing this podcast. Like we did this podcast and then went to go see it. And we started this in January That's of this year. Right. So, yeah, we went to go see it It and neither of us really knew anything about it. We didn't listen to the soundtrack. We didn't do anything. We just went and it blew us away. It It was very good.
1: And I'll tell on myself because I didn't understand being a white girl who's very privileged. I didn't understand why it was important or like why it connected to have a mostly black cast and a a mostly POC um, cast. And I was very wrong. (laughs) I've learned a lot of things. So it's coming at a very good time, like coming on Disney+. Yeah. Plus.
0: Okay, so go watch that. That is that is my Mika's the Host Now plug. Okay, so now we're getting into the actual music history, what the show is really about. Whoa. This should be the easiest time I've ever asked you this. Because we did it two days ago. <laughs> <yes. now. laughs> Do you want to recap what we have talked about in the past couple of episodes?
1: Um, Folk yes. and the Carter family. Yes. I actually knew their names.
0: Do you remember any of their first names?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybell. Yes, Maybell was the the cool one. Best. The other guy I don't remember. He had palsy and then the. AP. AP. Right.
0: Alvin Pleasant.
1: God, poor child. (laughs) Sarah? Yes. Heck yeah. AP's wife was Sarah. Look at me. And then Maybell's wife was Ezra.
0: Yes, Mabel's husband was Ezra. Okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, that was folk music. And folk music is really broad and it touches on like a few different genres. Like we talked a little bit about protest songs, we talked about like western stuff that came in like that became cowboy country. We talked basically about country music.
1: I didn't think of country as a musical genre.
0: You think of country? When I
1: heard you say cowboy country, I was picturing like almost like a TV show. Like, it's <laughs> cowboy country. It's like <laughs> on like the history channel, but it's not actual history.
0: I guess that isn't the r- the real name for is like Plains music. That's what it's called, but cowboy country is what I know it as. Cowboy has.
1: Country. <laughs> Welcome so back to Cowboy Country. I don't know cowboy names.
0: <laughs> Rusty.
1: Rusty's looking for his lost hoss.
0: Lost hoss?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's how they say horse.
0: Okay. I just think of hoss like that's what you call a person. Like, what's up, hoss? Like, it's like a... Huh? I've heard that a lot in, like, cop movies especially. Like, they call the boss hoss. Whatever. Off topic. Doesn't matter. (laughs) So today, <laughs> we're going to talk more in depth about country music and the birth of it. Like, we've touched on it a lot in the past couple episodes, but we're actually going to go, like, Back really to into Bristol,
1: it. Back Bristol, Tennessee. Yes,
0: we're going to talk a lot about the Bristol sessions.
1: You're from Bristol.
0: <laughs> I wrote in the script, some of this will be repeating stuff we've talked about in the past couple of episodes, but that's okay because you've probably forgotten it anyway.
1: <laughs> For once, I haven't.
0: Do you remember... Anything about the Bristol sessions? No. Well, there you go. All right. (laughs) So, and like, I know you know what country music is, but I want to hear you describe it in your own words, because I like that part.
1: Twangy. Either whiny or kind of, like, violent.
0: What do you mean by whiny? Because I feel like when you say whiny about music, people think of, like, pop punk and that, like...
1: They are also very whiny. Very, very similar... Vibes. vibe that I have never put together. Yeah. You know, just whiny. <laughs> just complaining. Just complaining about life. Or love songs to tractors. <laughs> um, and beer. And and then recently you have like the.
0: You yeah, know, bro country. country.
1: Like that they play in the bars. Yep. Yep. Wagon wheel. There is Wagon Wheel.
0: (laughs) That fits somewhere in there.
1: Somehow. Yes. Okay. Basically, country is I walk out of my home and a few streets down and it's haunting. (laughs) Country music. As you can
0: probably tell, I don't think either of us would call ourselves country music fans necessarily. I like a few of the songs and like artists from country music. Like I appreciate some of it.
1: I joke about the genre because there's a lot of things to joke about. Yeah. There are a lot of stereotypes that I think are deserved, but then of course like there's always going to be mm-hmm. extremely talented people in every genre no matter if I like it or not. I know that it's Yeah. I know that I'm being very general.
0: I like a lot of the, like the classic country. That's what I like. I don't really like any of this new pop bro country, but I can appreciate some of the old classic stuff.
1: I don't really even like that.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. It's either way, it's nowhere near the top of the list of like music I would choose to listen to when I got into a car or something. Like It's not that, but it, occasionally a song will come on and I'll be like, I like this song.
1: When Madison really got into it when we were in school... It was tolerable, because mm-hmm. she has good taste in music, so it was like good country, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is fine. <laughs> I was never excited.
0: Still, regardless of the fact that like I don't like it all that much, or I wouldn't choose to listen to it, is a better way to say it, it still holds kind of a special place in my heart, since I grew up in Bristol, which is the birthplace of country music, and now I live in Nashville, which is like, which is country music, basically, so it's just Something I've always been around and just kind of grown up in. And, like all my friends listened to it growing up and stuff, so holds a special place in my heart a little bit, a little bit nostalgic.
1: I wonder if that's why you ended up liking pop punk because you heard country and you didn't like it. But it then wasn't pop really punk country; was just similar enough.
0: It was really CCM, Christian Contemporary. Ooh, that's another. That's what everyone was listening to in my <sighs> Christian. Elementary and middle school, and I never liked it. Listen, and you then, don't
1: have to tell me because that's all I. Listened and then to I heard that was in ninth grade.
0: Then I heard Mayday Parade when I was an angsty little preteen, and I was like, "These guys get me. This is they get amazing. what I'm going through." And then that hooked me. <laughs> that's my Ay-yi. story of pop punk.
1: I guess similar things. We'll talk about pop punk later. Oh heck yeah. We'll get there. Heck yeah.
0: So as we talked about a little bit in the folk episode, early country music kind of had the same DNA as a folk tale. It was only played live. No one had recorded it. The instrumentation varied based on where you heard it played, and people would use the traditional songs from, like, their homelands to tell the stories about their heritage and ancestry. It was a musical way of passing down important tales. Whether true or not, it didn't really matter. Like we talked about in Folk, I don't know if you remember this, but we played that one song from like Ireland or whatever or Wales about... Yeah,
1: and we couldn't hear it at all. Yeah, we couldn't understand it. it.
0: Might have been Scotland, yeah. But like they would take those traditional songs and substitute their characters into it. So instead of singing about this Scottish dude, they're singing about a local hero that they actually know. So they kind of morphed that way. Soon musicians started to draw on these tunes, study them, and start developing them into an actual musical style. They wouldn't have a chance to be recorded until like the 1920s, but they were honing their craft and developing the style long before the wider public had a chance to hear it or even knew it was happening. It was just kind of bubbling up in this community. Kind of like jazz did. It developed as a mix of folk music from the British Isles, church music, and blues. It was born and developed in rural obscurity, meaning it didn't take in, take influence from any of the popular genres that were happening at the time, which basically would have been brass bands. Brass and jazz. So it didn't really do any of that. It just did its own thing.
1: It's pretty separate.
0: Primarily, it was played on acoustic guitars, banjos, auto harps, fiddles, and mandolins.
1: Hey, I have a request. Okay. When you post... Crap! We should have done this for Folk. When you post the
0: I mean announcement, Folk just went up like last yesterday, stuff. so we can still.
1: When you will you please post the GIF from Parks and Rec? Chris Traeger dancing along to the banjo music in the back of like Ben's cars. They're all driving back from. <laughs> the indiana meeting
0: okay
1: (laughs) leslie's trying to like make it super not sexual no it's out there they're trying to like make it not sexual because they they love each other but they're Mm -hmm. trying to not love each other and then chris is back there and then the banjo song comes on that's so not sexy and he's just like. okay i feel like it's fitting like when you announce it announce it with that gift
0: well it'll have to be a reply because you announced the picture with the I'll put it in as the first reply Lame. to the tweet. Okay.
1: I love Chris Traeger. Mika is the host now. No. Chris <laughs> he already had Traeger. This. Chris Traeger. And Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> Mika is no longer the host now.
0: So just to recap. Primarily.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs>
0: Primarily, this type of music was played on acoustic guitars, banjos, banjos. auto harps, fiddles, and mandolins. Right. Though that would vary depending on who you heard it from and where they came from. There's a style of country known as Western country, which we talked about a little bit, which is more of the cowboy type, but that's not quite cowboy what Cowboy country. That's not what we're talking about in this episode. We're Rusty
1: can't find his horse.
0: <laughs> we're focusing on the traditional country music that was born out of the southeastern United States, particularly around the Appalachian Mountains.
1: Hey, Dessas.
0: And it's pronounced... Appalachian not Appalachian. 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 Yes, there's a lot of people who say Appalachian and they are wrong. It is Appalachian. Appalachian. A lot of early pioneers are people we've already talked about. Fiddlin' John Carson, though you don't remember anything about him.
1: Is that me that doesn't remember? Yes,
0: you don't remember anything about I him.
1: Don't, but he plays the fiddle. <laughs> yes.
0: The Carter family, as well as a few others that were playing folk and hillbilly music in the Atlanta area.
1: I remember them a lot.
0: I mean, we could pull up the old script and just give you a brief recap of Fiddlin' no, John, John if you want. No, I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gid Tanner. or am sorry? Gid Gid. It's G-I-D. I don't know how to say that name.
1: Is that a typo?
0: No. that's. I'm pretty sure that's a dude. Here All
1: right. Well, since it's GIF, we're going to call him Gid.
0: Yeah, Gid, okay. Well, we're going to get to his band's name. It's great. Oh, no. His name is Gid Tanner. He was from Monroe, Georgia. He was a chicken farmer for most of his life.
1: I hate chickens.
0: I I think everyone hates hates raising chickens. No,
1: some people don't hate raising chickens. Some people like their chickens. Chickens are the worst. Yeah,
0: but they're delicious.
1: Yes, let's kill them all. Because they're so annoying.
0: So Gid Tanner learned to play the fiddle at the age of 14.
1: He's like a late bloomer.
0: And he quickly became known as one of the best musicians in Georgia. And he frequently competed against his rival, Fiddlin' John Carson.
1: I like that they're rivals. Yeah. I I can, like, imagine, like, dance-offs, but it's like Yeah, there was, like,
0: there were fiddle contests back then. God
1: bless it.
0: So they basically traded wins in these competitions, and everyone else fought for third place. Like, whichever ones Fiddlin' John Carson didn't win, Gid Tanner won and vice versa. In 1924, Gid teamed up with blind guitarist Riley Puckett, and they traveled to New York City to record some of the first hillbilly music for Columbia Records. A couple of years later, the duo added a couple more members and became known as the Skillet (laughs) Lickers.
1: New band name, call it!
0: (laughs) It's already a band. (laughs) They were Gid Tanner and his Skillet Lickers.
1: That's... I, I don't know if I love it or I hate it. And I, I love think it. I love it.
0: <laughs> Over the next 5 years, they recorded 88 songs for Columbia and became one of the biggest string bands in the country. They would break up in 1931 but reform through the years with different lineups. They, along with Fiddlin' John Carson, made Atlanta and North Georgia famous for this type of fiddle playing and southern songs. The skillet lickers are legendary. They became famous for playing traditional songs with a hard-driving fiddle line. They didn't just do music, though. They also had a lot of comedy skits and, like, comedy bits during their performances.
1: That's amazing. Yep.
0: They were basically their own little vaudeville show.
1: That's amazing. It's rolling
0: it back all the way to vaudeville. So here are the Skillet yes. Lickers playing a song called Molly Put the Kettle On.
1: I'm very excited. Is there
0: Did. It looks like a song. So, doesn't this sound like a like Great Britain folk song kind of? I just want to stamp your foot. <laughs> the along, the hall, the
1: take <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know that Lily also said swing is the one that makes you tap your foot, so, is this technically swing? I don't know. She's standing up. I don't know what she's doing. She's just standing one foot and hitting. Okay. <laughs> don't think that's what she wanted to do. <laughs> was trying to stamp one foot and then hit her thigh on the offbeat. It just doesn't look like it's coordinated in any stretch of the imagination. Stamp her foot. Now there goes the hand.
1: <laughs> You're distracting me.
0: And our cat has stolen her seat again. You're <laughs> Pure <laughs> That's what this like. That's what the hard-driving fiddle line is. It's just like loud Chaos. and chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> like this compared to the Carter family, where it was more mellow. And, like, this is the Skillet that's Lickers better. just going to town.
1: Skillet Lickers are hardcore.
0: They're the flogging They are. All right,
1: bless
0: well, the Skillet Lickers. Bless it. <laughs> so in 1923. The furniture salesman from Atlanta, who became the largest distributor of OK Records in the South. OK is a record label. We I
1: know that we part.
0: <laughs> well, then why did you look at me like that? Because
1: the furniture people are distributing it. That's <laughs>
0: weird. Yeah, They just sell it in their store. I mean, IKEA sells meatballs. so look,
1: IKEA is not how you build a business model. They're just weird.
0: So, this dude was asked by a New York City OK Records executive if he knew any musicians in the Atlanta area that would be worth the trip to Georgia to record. So, basically, this guy was like, is there anyone down there that's, like, yeah, worth us coming down and setting up and recording and all that?
1: Sometimes you explain things that I definitely know what you mean and then... Don't explain things that I have no <laughs> clue what you're talking. Well, about.
0: it's not always for you. I'm just trying to like recap because like that was a long sentence, so I feel like uh, the audience might.
1: We have an intelligent audience. We do. We can keep up. Okay, fine.
0: I won't explain anything else don't ever. ever Even if you anything. ask questions, I'm just gonna be like, well, too bad. <laughs> re-listen to it. <laughs> Hit that little 15 second back button and then re-listen. <laughs> so then, uh. I th- I said he then saw in the script, and I don't know if that's referring to the New York City executive or if that's referring to the furniture salesman. But someone saw footage of Fiddlin' John Carson performing at a Virginia fiddle competition. (laughs) I put performing at a Virginia fiddle competition in Virginia.
1: (sighs) See, you over-explained things. And then
0: the executive made a note to record him. So he conv- So this furniture salesman convinced O.K. to send celebrated producer Ralph Peer to Atlanta to record John Carson.
1: Ralph Peer.
0: People paying attention would know Ralph Peer. I don't know if you do.
1: I don't. Okay. Who is he?
0: He's the guy who did the Bristol sessions and recorded the Carter family. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So in 1923, O.K. took their newly invented portable recording equipment to a vacant building on Nassau Street. To record the folk music happening down near Atlanta. It was here that it was here that John Carson was credited with recording the first country music song, Little Old Cabin in the Lane. So that's technically known as the first ever country song. Do you want to hear Little Old Cabin in the Lane? Yeah. Here is Little Old Cabin in the Lane. Performed by Fiddlin' John Carson. First country music song of all time.
1: A little
0: bit different vibe Than the skillet liquors already
1: I really miss the skillet liquors. <laughs> <laughs> this is not I catching my attention
0: I've
1: I really hate
0: how OK is spelled. Only okay. okay. I don't know the Okay. Right. All right. Well, that was the first ever country it was song.
1: Very boring, which kind of lines up with my expectations.
0: I'm looking up OK records to figure out what the name came from.
1: It's spelled OK, E H. Okay.
0: The name was spelled OK from the initials of Otto K. E. Heinemann.
1: That's hilarious. It used to
0: be the H was capitalized, too. And that's the guy who okay. invented it. Because it's it was the Ottoman Heinemann, Otto Heinemann Phonograph Corporation. All right. Sorry. I'm a little bit of a tangent just because I was curious to know that.
1: Me, too.
0: Okay. So, apparently, when they were recording this song from Fiddlin' John Carson, Ralph Peer thought it was horrible.
1: It is. It <laughs> is horrible. I'm mostly kidding. I'm
0: he told, kind of kidding. He told Polk, who was the furniture salesman, who's the guy who set it all up, to let Carson play, but don't let him sing.
1: Oh, I liked his voice.
0: Regardless of his opinion, the record was a hit in the South and quickly sold out. This started the boom to find more of this kind of music. Other companies other than OK saw the commercial benefit of hillbilly music and wanted in on the action. Then came the Bristol Sessions of 1927, which, according to Johnny Cash, was, quote, the single most important event in the history of country music, which is fair to say. Ralph Peer, who now worked for Victor Records, was on a talent hunting trip in the South when he set up shop in Bristol. They put a sign in the Bristol News Bulletin, which read, quote, The Victor Co. will have a recording machine in Bristol for 10 days beginning Monday to record records. Inquire at our store. I don't know what store because that was in a newspaper, but whatever.
1: I think that's cute.
0: A few days later, Ralph Peer was recording a guy named Ernest Stoneman and his family. They were musicians that were already pretty well known around Bristol, and they were Victor recording artists already. Stories started to circulate that Ernest was paid $3,600 by Victor the previous year for the recordings they made of him.
1: Seems like a lot for them.
0: Which was about three and a half times the average national wage. Wow. So that was all people needed to know. And the day after recording Ernest, so many musicians showed up to the audition.
1: There should be a movie made out of this. I'm sure there NLP. is. Like, it sounds like a... A getting discovered coming of age movie. Yeah.
0: Just wait till you hear one of the people who were discovered. We're going to talk about him next week. Ralph set up at the Taylor Christian Hat Building on the Virginia side of State Street. For those who don't know Bristol, State Street is a street in downtown Bristol where one side of it is Tennessee and the other side is Virginia. So he's set up on the Virginia side.
1: In a hat store. Yes. I feel like we shouldn't just gloss over that.
0: <laughs> well, it was the Hat Building, so it wasn't a store. It might have been like a manufacturer or something. Great. <laughs> Ralph understood that the people of the area wanted to hear white gospel music because he recorded a lot of it.
1: Honestly, white gospel music, not what I'm looking for if I think gospel.
0: <laughs> well, he recorded a guy named... Alfred G. Carnes, and I have one of those recordings, so you can see if it's something that you would like. I it's called I'm Bound for the Promised Land.
1: I'm expecting the precursors of CCM.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Stormy, this feels more like the precursors of, like, Bluegrass. Really?
1: That's
0: pretty CCM. Canaan's and happy land where my I'm bound for the promised land I'm bound for the promised land Oh, who will come and go with me I'm bound for the promised land All oh, those wide extended flames Shines one eternal day yeah, That was some very of the... Boring. That was like very... He was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So he wasn't... Like, he Ralph wasn't just down there recording all these country greats. Like, he was recording a lot of gospel music that didn't really go a whole lot of places.
1: Nor should it have.
0: It was during these sessions that the Carter family were first recorded and would turn into one of the top recording artists in the country until, like, the 40s, when their ship started to sail. Along with the Carters, Pierre convinced a group from North Carolina called the Teneva Ramblers to record. Something happened, and no one really knows what but by the time the recording sessions came around, the Teneva Ramblers singer had left the group, and he Good recorded job. two of two songs on his own with Ralph Peer. So, like, the Teneva Ramblers recorded some of their songs, and then their old lead singer came and recorded some of his own songs, too. This was the first time the country was introduced to Jimmy Rogers, who would become Victor Records' best-selling artist until Elvis took the crown. Wow. Here's a here's a song he recorded during the Bristol sessions, and he's who we're going to talk about next
1: week. he the lead singer.
0: Yes. Former lead singer the team of Which is why it's just him and a guitar. And a car, apparently, in this picture. <laughs>
1: He looks like Keith from The
0: Dragons. <laughs> he looks like a mix of Keith and Ned.
1: Yeah. I can't tell if i like his voice.
0: We're going to hear a lot more of his stuff next week when we talk about him. These recordings, most notably the ones by the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers, are considered the official birth of country music. It's technically the birth of commercial country music, because like, these songs were already being played a lot in those communities. So they were born a long time ago, but the rest of the country didn't know about them. During the late 20s and early 30s, radio shows became dominant, and barn dances brought country music throughout the South. On November 28th, 1925, an announcer on Nashville radio station WSM introduced Uncle Jimmy Thompson, who was a fiddler, As the first performer on a new show called the WSM Barn Dance. So it's like a combination of radio shows and barn dances.
1: What's a barn dance?
0: I don't honestly really. I think you just dance in a barn and play. It's just like a prom in a barn with adults. I'm
1: picturing Hannah Montana.
0: (laughs) At my high school, we had a thing called the barn party every year. and It was literally just one of the rich families who had like a barn and acres of land and all of the high schoolers would just come out and hang out on it. And they were like, there was food and like dancing and stuff. So I'm picturing that when I think of this.
1: I'm picturing the hold on throw down throwdown.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Country slide. Anyway. Slide.
0: The WSM Do the studio.
1: Down, throw down.
0: The WSM studio which was what was broadcasting the WSM Barn Dance, was in the headquarters of the National Life and Accident Insurance Company. One of the founders of that company was super interested in radio and convinced the other founders to start a small station out of a tiny studio in one of their rooms. The studio had like a small window that passerbys in the hallway could stop and actually watch the show.
1: That's fun.
0: WSM stood for We Shield Millions. So it was the We Shield Millions Barn Dance. Because it was for a insurance company. Oh. Yeah, it was like wow, basically an advertisement lame. for them. That little show started on that day, is still going strong almost a hundred years but later. That's cool. And is now known as the Grand Ole Opry. What? <laughs> yep, that was the origins of the Grand Ole Opry.
1: I should have been paying more attention. <laughs>
0: As the show gained a reputation for launching and having on country music superstars, people would crowd the building to try and catch a glimpse of the show, which made the people who actually worked at the insurance agency very annoyed. So they built a new studio where people could watch. Eventually, they would continue to upgrade, and the rest is history.
1: That's cool. Yep.
0: I don't know when the name actually changed. I don't think I included that, but eventually it separated from... WSM became its own thing. I also really tried to find Uncle Jimmy Thompson, who was the very first performer on the Grand Ole Opry, but couldn't. No one recorded um, that actual show, and and I couldn't find anything else from him. The '30s and '40s is known as the second generation of country music. It wasn't only happening in rural areas with no exposure anymore. Radio shows, barn dances, and recordings had brought national attention to this community music. So, country music started to be played more widely. Country music had a few stars that were taking the nation by storm. Western cowboy music also started up during this time period and got more attention to country music in general. What? Cowboy country. (laughs)
1: You're in cowboy country now, son.
0: So this is where I'm going to leave country music for now. Aww. It's just started to blossom and gain attention. Soon it would see massive stars like Johnny Cash and Gene Autry. And they would like emerge onto the scene and skyrocket country music to even more heights. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So we're going to stop here and we'll pick it up back up with like a country part two down the line. Cool. Because I'm trying to keep this pre-1940. Keeping this to the war eras right Mm -hmm. now. Okay then we're going to do the Bing Crosby special. And then we're going to move out of the war era and do like rock and all that kind of stuff.
1: I'm very excited. Yeah.
0: So that's part of country music. We're going to talk about Jimmy Rogers next week. And that will give you more of an idea of kind of country music stars of the time.
1: I would like to hear a little bit more of the country music. Because I make a lot of fun of it,
0: and you don't know that much about I it, really, and it's don't. such a huge part of our culture here it's <laughs> like it's, a it's big cool deal. to know like, about I it I
1: recognize that there's there are some big, very talented people,
0: yeah. like because like the Carter family and Jimmy rogers like they are the people who started all of this, so all of the country music around here like owes a lot to them, so it's just mm-hmm. cool to like know who they were and mm-hmm. what they did, and hear some of their songs, yeah that I way, really' when like we that. Are the
1: abomination. That is some of the music that pours out of the. You can, be like, this bars. You can be like this is not real country. Be like this is horrible. me Jimmy Rogers. So so disappointed.
0: All right, so like we said earlier, there's no correction corner. It's a little bit of a shorter episode because we've already covered a lot of the birth of it in folk. So I had to just try to find new things to talk about.
1: I really loved the first guy, Skillet Lickers. Yep,
0: Gad. Gad God. Tanner in the skill Or Jid. Jid? I don't I
1: wonder think. if it's like Job where like.
0: <laughs> like Gob.
1: Yeah, exactly. But those are his initials.
0: Yeah, it's Gid. Or Jid. Gid Tanner from Monroe, Georgia. Gid. All right. Well, that, that is our show. Them. Hope you enjoyed it.
1: I did. Thank hope you very you much. I appreciate that. I was that.
0: talking to our listeners, I but I also hope you <laughs> I'm glad you really, enjoyed it as really well.
1: really, enjoyed our time together here today.
0: <laughs> Is this I a look therapy session? <laughs> <laughs> do I have Is to like what you think of me? schedule another hour and pay you for the next time yeah, you do to Yeah, definitely. Yes, that's how we're moving
1: <laughs> forward with this.
0: I pay you and then you put it in our joint bank account?
1: No, I immediately go buy makeup. <laughs>
0: like this <laughs> okay thank you join us next week hopefully Goodbye. hopefully we're still on we're time. gonna do it it'll, it'll be, be great, great.